0: So welcome, it's so lovely to see you, it's lovely to see my gap in the middle here, I'll just have to project my voice, and it's okay, it's fine. I'm going to start with a bit of a story this morning. Now, a few years ago, Dave and I decided to take the kids on a bit of a mini road trip, and we only had a window of about six days, it was you know, due to various reasons, leave and things like that. Um, but we really wanted to show the kids some of the South Island that we hadn't seen before. And I quite enjoy driving, so we set a fairly audacious goal to, of going from Christchurch to Greymouth to Franz Joseph to Wanaka, then Lake tekapo then home. It was about 1,500 kilometres all up over the course of six days' travel. Now, the plan was always to make the driving as part of the holiday, you know, when you're travelling with kids and often you're just so focused on getting to the end and like, oh, mum, can we go look at that, or dad, can we go play in the playground? I'm are like, no, 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 we've got to get to where we have to go. But on this occasion, we really wanted to make the journey part of the trip. So we had factored in time that if the kids saw something they wanted to explore, we'd be like, yeah, we can do that. And as a result, we actually built some really great memories with the kids. And one of the first ones of those was we arrived at our first overnight stop in Greymouth. And this wasn't such a great memory as a funny memory. And we discovered that Brianna had, in fact, forgotten to pack her pyjamas. And the conversation went something like this. Brianna, did you pack your pyjamas? No, but Daddy might have. (laughs) Well, Dad from the other room piped up, what did she say? (laughs) Daddy had not, in fact, packed her pyjamas. He'd helped, he'd checked her bag, but somehow neither of them had actually noticed this missing key part of her, her luggage. Thankfully, Greymouth did have a warehouse, so a quick trip to the warehouse, and then she had to wear pyjamas that hadn't been pre-washed, but you know, natural consequences. But thankfully, there was a warehouse. So lesson number one, when you give a six-year-old a packing list, you really need to check it thoroughly. Now, we made the most of this trip, no matter what the weather was doing, and for those of you that know the West Coast probably know what I mean. We saw Punakaiki in the rain. We saw the splendor of the Hokitika Gorge in the rain. We saw Franz Joseph and Fox glaciers in the rain. We also saw the Tasman glacier, the one by Mount Cook in the rain. We did actually get some dry weather in Wanaka and Lake Tekapo which was good, because I think six days of only rain probably would have got to us all in the end. And there was a lot of needing to dry out our jackets and our clothes along the way. In fact, there's one photo, which I haven't shown you, which is we're standing there at the Hokitika Gorge, and literally our jackets are soaked through. But there's this beautiful blue water behind us, and we're all smiling. We're just drowned rats. But one one of the first moments that happened was on the way over to Greymouth, and we stopped in Arthur's Pass, we had a hot drink, and then the plan was to go and do the Devil's Punch Bowl walking track. Now I've got a picture that I'm going to show you, and this is the kid standing by the sign. Hopefully. There should be a picture. maybe not put it in. Just like the pajamas. <laughs> He walked into that, didn't he? (laughs) In a moment, hopefully, there's going to be a picture, and it's showing the kids in front of the sign at the start of the track, and it's actually just my proof that they thought this was a good idea and that they were quite happy to do it. That one there, look at them, aren't they cute? Oh, look at that smile, Lucas. (laughs) Now, for those of you that don't know this area, the Devil's Punch Bowl is a waterfall that's 131 metres high. And you can actually see it in the background of the next photo. And the kids are still smiling. They didn't quite know what was ahead of them. The walk is only about a kilometre each way, and the Department of Conversa- Conversation... <laughs> the Department of Conservation describe it as being an easy walking track, a gradual incline with steps. Doesn't that just sound idyllic? It sounds amazing, a great family activity, right? So off we went. Now, it had been a number of years since either David or I had actually done this walk. I think I had been a child myself. I don't know when he'd done it. And so neither of us really had any recollection of what the walk was like. We both knew that it was worth it, that at the end you got to see the spectacular waterfall, but the actual walk itself was not something that had stuck in our memory. So we started off, and before long, we hit the first lot of steps. We went up for a while, and then we went down some steps. And it seemed quite manageable at first, but we very quickly realised that actually the steps were a significant part of this track. In fact, there's around 240 steps in total, and that's quite a lot for kids who are aged 6, 9 and 11. Not to mention the adults who probably could have been fitter, and we also had to manage the reactions of the kids. It's quite an undulating track, lots of up and down, So you climb some steps, and then it kind of lulls you into this false sense of of, of ease because you go down some steps, which is great, until you realise that those downhill steps will become uphill steps on the way back. Now, being parents full of wisdom, we did not share this piece of information with the children. We realised this would not be particularly helpful in achieving our goal of making it to the waterfall and back. It wasn't very far into the walk, and we'd already gone a number, up a number of those steps when Brianna started to say something. I'm like, What did she say? She started to give herself some verbal encouragement, and she alternated between saying, I can do this. I'm not scared because I know that God is with me. And then the next breath, she would say, I can do anything through him who gives me strength. Philippians chapter four, verse 13. Now this must have worked, because you can see in the next photo, we made it! (laughs) We got to the lookout, and we were able to see the waterfall, and actually the kids are still smiling. It might have been posed. (laughs) Perseverance. It's a funny word, and it's something that we all need. Without it, we could easily have given up on this walk, and missed out on the view from the end of the track. Not only that, our choosing to keep going, to persist in the middle of a walk that the kids were finding challenging, set the tone for our whole holiday. Now we had also had one of those rare moments of parental genius before the trip started and we'd made up an affirmation of sorts that went along the lines of, let will see if Lucas remembers it, we choose to have fun, to be kind, to put others first, hashtag Bennett's family road trip. And any time over the course of the holiday where grumpiness threatened from either the kids or the parents, we would hit pause and we would all say, we choose to have fun... (laughs) It's been a while. To have fun, to be kind, to put others first. And it was a bit of a reset. I like to think that also helped set the tone. Now, had we not persevered, if we'd given up on this part of the adventure, We might have also chosen to let the rain impact on the other parts of our trip, and missed out on seeing some incredible parts of God's creation. Brianna's encouragement to herself not only brought a smile to our faces, but helped her little six-year-old legs keep going when she was finding the going tough, and helped us all to reach that end point. Now this walking track is a lot like our life here on earth. The end is in sight, an eternity with Jesus, But first, there are many ups and downs, steps we aren't always prepared for, good times and not-so-good times. And to reach that end goal, it's going to take perseverance on our part. James 1, verses 2-4 to tells us that we should consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Yay. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I think sometimes we'd rather just stay immature. (laughs) When everything gets flipped on its head, when our world is turned topsy-turvy, when bad stuff happens, what is it that we can do to ensure that we keep going, we don't give up, or stop where we are, or turn back? Determination is something that many people possess, but pure grit will only get you so far. It alone cannot determine our success or failure, because eventually, each of us will face something that is far bigger than our own strength. There are many of us in this room who have had to face such things. The loss of a loved one, illness, injury, other health challenges, employment or financial pressures... And so far, you're all still here, you haven't given up. But we all know people who have faced these kinds of circumstances and have not been able to continue walking through the valley, through the ups and downs. There may even be some of you in the room today who feel like you are at the very edge, the very limits of your ability to keep hanging in there. So what gives us that stickability? Why, in the face of circumstances that have an irrevocable impact on our lives, are some people able to keep their chins up and keep moving forward, to continue to proclaim that Jesus is Lord as they trust wholly in him? Why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to start at verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Number one, our foundation is built firmly on Jesus Christ. Now... Many of the builders or engineers in the room know that the strength of a building is only as good as its foundation and the land it's built upon. And just this week, as we saw in the video, we've seen the QE2 kids and youth buildings moved onto their foundations. Why? Because without a firm foundation, the buildings lack stability to ensure they last the distance. It would not be worth fitting out those buildings and finishing all the things that need to be finished with it if they weren't first put onto a firm and strong foundation. Anyone who's, who has built a house since the Canterbury earthquakes will be aware that there is different types of foundations required depending on the condition of the land being built on and there are some areas of land we can't build on. It's one of the most ex- important and expensive parts of any build, that foundation work. In the years after the earthquake, I was actually working in the insurance industry, and one of the things we quickly learned that the number one factor that determined if a house was able to be repaired was the condition of the foundation and the land underneath. If the foundation had withstood the impact of the earthquakes, then repairs were at least possible. But if the foundation was compromised, then the ability to repair that house was also compromised. Often the house would actually look okay or look like it had sustained minimal damage, but the foundation damage meant that that house was no longer safe, wasn't, wasn't able to be repaired, and needed to be rebuilt. Now, obviously, in Jesus' time, and it's Jesus that's telling this, this parable, the foundations were not engineered to the extent that they are now, but the people did understand that what the foundations of a house were built on was important. Right. Unstable ground meant a horse... A horse? Man, unstable ground. I mean, a horse would struggle too. Unstable ground meant a house would not weather the storms well. But a house built on solid ground would. When we build our lives on the words of Jesus and hold firmly to his promises, when the inevitable storms come, we are able to stand firm. Perseverance, as described in James, is only possible if our faith is built on Christ. How we respond in the valley... Is determined by how we've prepared on the mountain type. Goodness me, I'm doing well today. On the mountain top. When we aren't facing crisis, when things are going well, are we reading the word? Are we spending time in prayer? Are we laying a foundation built on on an understanding of the character of God, that He is faithful, that He is sovereign? Are we getting to know Jesus more and more so that when we face uncertainty, when our faith is tested, we can hold fast to the assurances of his promises? John 10.10 tells us that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And John 16.33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Psalm 55, 22 tells us, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, none of these verses verses tell us that our lives will be free from trouble. In fact, they indicate the opposite. But in the midst of whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, God's promise to us is that he will be with us. He will strengthen us, that when we turn to him, his peace will be with us. I was 16 when I faced the sudden death of my father, and I experienced for myself this peace that goes beyond our human understanding. Was I full of grief? Yes, of course. Was I able to fully trust Jesus because of the foundation I had already built my life on? Yes. Did that mean that this experience was an easy one to go through? No. But did I know what it meant to have the presence of the Holy Spirit with me as I navigated this pain? Did I have the assurance that God was with me no matter what? Did I have the revelation of the promise that He is the Father to the fatherless? Yeah, I did. When our lives are built on Jesus, our foundation is able to withstand the storms, the wind, and the waves that come. Number two, our purpose does not waver. Remembering our purpose is key to being able to persevere no matter what the circumstances. Even within popular culture, a common enduring theme is that of a hero or a heroine prevailing through unbelievable circumstances because they hold on to the reason or purpose for their task. Take Frodo, for instance, in Lord of the Rings, returning that one ring to Mordor, Or Sheriff Woody rescuing Buzz Lightyear in order to be reunited with Andy in another. It's in, in all, all spectrums. Well... We have an even greater purpose than Frodo or the characters from Toy Story. If you were here last week, then you will recall Jill shared that we have, all have a purpose. We can all be a difference maker. Our greatest purpose is to love God and love others. And no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, we can still love God and love others. Whether we are knee deep in nappies, spending most of our time taxiing teenagers around, up to our neck and study or work, or enjoying adventures and family visits during retirement, we can still love God and love others. When we are struggling to make sense of what is going on in our lives, we can still love God and love others. When we are facing pain or illness, we can still love God and love others. As Paul tells us in Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, But I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, it's important to understand that when Paul says forgetting what is behind, He is not saying that he's obliterating it from his memory. He isn't putting it in a box and sealing it up tight and pretending that it's not real or that it's not happening. What he is saying is that he is not letting what is happening absorb his attention to the point where it impedes his progress in the purpose that God has set for him. Even in our darkest days, we are still on that path towards an eternity spent with Jesus. Now, I don't say this to bring judgment or shame on anyone. The devil will do that enough. We will all have days where we say the wrong thing, or we act in a way that is focused more on what we are facing than on who we serve. But I know the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love. His compassion does not fail. His mercies are new every morning. When we face days or circumstances that seem too difficult for us, loving God may simply look like crying out for more of his presence. The Psalms are full of examples of this. Psalm 121 verse 1 to 2 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. When we find ourselves in those moments where we don't feel like we have what we need, how good is it to remember that our help comes from the Lord? He made the stars and the sky, the heavens and the earth, and he loves us and is mindful of us. It's not about our skills, our abilities, our actions, but how we respond to him. We look to Jesus, we continue to love God, and from this place of loving him, he will extend the grace that is needed to love others. If you missed Jill's message last week, I do encourage you to go and have a listen on the podcast. It's such an encouragement that no matter where we find ourselves, we have purpose. Number three, our perspective is fixed on eternity. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16 to 18 says this, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God's kingdom purposes are so much greater than our earthly understanding. We talk about the upside-down kingdom, about being countercultural, and yet we can sometimes expect God to align himself to what we want, Instead of praying, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Having an eternal perspective means aligning our will to his, that we would see with eyes beyond what is happening in the here and now. Colossians 3, 1-3 says it this way, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Often, we limit our understanding of who God is to how we interpret the answers to our prayers. When the answer looks different to what we expected or even believed would be the case, we can be left with feelings of disappointment of being let down. Our feelings are not an accurate representation of who God is. Our feelings are natural, but God is supernatural. He exists outside of space and time, and our natural understanding is very much defined within space and time as we know it. God's character and sovereignty do not change, whether I see the answer to my prayers on this earth or in eternity. God's promises do not change. We can hold on to them. We can trust in him, all the while holding the tension that we live in the gap between Christ's victory on the cross and his eventual return. Team, you guys can come back. When we have an eternal perspective, how much easier is it to persevere through any circumstance? We continue to proclaim his victory on the earth, We lift the name of Jesus above every circumstance, every tribe and every nation. We live lives full of faith, believing for breakthrough, for healing, for freedom from addiction, for restoration of relationships, for financial provision, and we continue to do all that we can to proclaim the good news of Christ. And while we do this, we have the confident assurance that he is over all things, But as it says in Revelation 21 verse 4, one day we will see an eternity where he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Whether we see the answers to our prayers now or in eternity, he is still God and he is still good. Today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, and shortly we're going to hear more about that and pray for those around the world who live under persecution. When we think about and talk about perseverance, how fitting is it that we should consider those who live, at the, live out the reality of it every day? Right now, this might not be our reality, but that might not always be the case. As we continue to choose to build our foundation on Jesus, as we spend time in the word, in prayer, in worship, we prepare our hearts and minds for whatever life may throw at us. As governments rise and fall, as economies fluctuate, as our circumstances change, he stays the same. Psalm 20 verse seven says, some trust in chariots and some in horses but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. As we continue to persevere, let us trust in the name of Jesus above all else. I'd just like to invite you to stand if you're able and and I'd like to pray, I'd like to pray for us all. Father, we thank you that you care so deeply for us that you set the stars in the night sky and you created the world, but you also created us and you desire to have relationship with us. Lord, this morning, we just ask that you would help us to continue to build our foundations on Christ, that our reliance would not be on circumstances, on things that are going on around us, but that we would always look to you, that we would build our lives on the promises that you have made. God, help us to hold firm to the purposes that you have called us to. That as we go out, we would be able to love others because you first loved us. That no matter what we are feeling or experiencing, we can always extend that love to others and show them Jesus along the way. And God, we ask that you would continue to align our hearts to your eternal perspective. That we would know what it means to earnestly pray, your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. For every situation that that anyone in this room is facing, Lord, we submit it to you. And we say, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you that you are God, that you are sovereign, and that we can continue to hold on to you when the storms come, when the wind blows, when our strength has faded, and you reign supreme. Praise you, God.